Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome to the Hope Story Circle put on by the Peace Alliance and welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance, and I'm joined today to facilitate by Liz Gannon Graydon, who is also on our board, and Yelena Popovich, who is our teaching peace in schools lead and our mindfulness expert. And our special guest today is a dear friend of mine for many years, and her name is Nancy Melius. Nancy, you want to come off mute and just say hello? Hello. <laughs> Nancy and I performed together. We toured with cats many, many, many years ago. And she's gone on to have a number of different careers, which will be part of her story. So I'm excited to have you here, Nancy, and share your story with everyone today. But before we get started, um, let's have Yelena bring us in with a meditation and bring us all in together. Yelena. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever time it is, welcome. Um, yeah, I just want to invite you into a practice of really um, seeing other people as human beings rather than labels that we give them. So, um, yeah, so just finding a way to settle, um, to settle in your body right now. Uh, perhaps noticing your feet, touching the earth, your seat. And you're welcome to close your eyes or just softly gaze. And perhaps start with some nourishing breaths today. We just for a moment, this, that one breath that sustain us. Bring awareness to our breath, to our beating heart. Our aliveness, same way you can can attune to those around us, the same awareness. Relational awareness, relational mindfulness. an important part of the practice. When you see another person, do you see them as a three-dimensional being? You see them as breathing, Loving awareness. Mm -hmm. 
do you label? Soccer mom, annoying co-worker, checkout clerk. child, good practice, and truly train ourselves, objectively see other people as human beings. just like you. Perhaps just allow these words to land in your body and breathe with that. Notice there's a way you can practice this at work, at a grocery store. traffic, just seeing others as human beings, just like you. Notice where you feel your breath. Just take three more wishing breath. You're ready. Um, light. Come and see. When you're ready and see, you can unmute and start. Thank you. I was zoned out, I didn't hear you. <laughs> <clears throat> Hello everyone again, and uh, my name is Nancy Milius, and uh, I am going to. He I'm here to tell my my story. Um, as Terry referenced, um, I've had multiple careers, uh, starting with uh, with the theater. But I'm going to back up a little bit because I'll let you know where I'm from. I um, I was born on in Long Island and raised on Long Island in New York, and. Uh, <clears throat> I uh, was I grew up in Levittown, which is uh, basically a you know middle class you know public school kind of all American type of place, right? Uh, not a lot of culture, of uh, very suburban, and uh, theater is definitely not on the top list of that of that area. But it was a nice upbringing as far as 
you know, the where where the location was. And and I'm only I was we were only within an, an hour of New York City. And you would think that I, we were going in the city all the time, but truthfully, no, Long Islanders sometimes never go to the city. So, um, but I did go to the shows sometimes. Somehow I figured out there were shows, uh, even though I wasn't around all this cultural things. Um, and my mother brought me in because she knew that I liked them. And uh, and then I took some local dance classes at, at one of the schools in Levittown. And, uh, and believe it or not, I hid it because during that time it wasn't cool to dance. So I was really, you know, embarrassed and I was petrified that my other friends would find out. Um, dancing did not become popular until uh, Flashdance came out, which was interesting. But I, people did find out that I was dancing and they didn't make fun of me or anything like that, but that was my own, my own thing, but, um, but only because I was different and I didn't know anyone else that did it. Now, you know, children do it all the time. Um, so that was kind of the roundness of where I started with my career because for some reason I knew I wanted to be in the theater. So I continued to take classes and I was in gymnastics and on the gymnastics team. And, um, and then when I was about 16, I, a friend of mine said, oh, there's a dance class in New York City uh, Phil Black was his the name of the teacher, uh, where a lot of Broadway people studied with Phil Black. Back then, there were, all the teachers had their own studios, and so you would choose who you were going to go to, and so I went to Phil Black, and I loved him, and uh, so I continued to go in every now and then when I wasn't in school, and um, and I started with his beginner class, which he didn't teach. It was his, his other uh, teachers, and then I kept working and working really hard to make it to his class. And that was like a big, it was a big deal. And then finally, when I got in his class, I was in the back um, and of the class, as you did back then, you waited and you had to earn your rights to get to the front. So then I eventually made my way to the front and studied with him for about six years or so. And, uh, and then, and, and Cats had opened up literally next door, right? To that studio, because that was on 50th and Broadway. So I wanted to be Teaser. I knew I wanted to be Teaser, And actually three Teasers came from my studios and I'm friends with all of them. So, uh, but that was my dream. And I kept auditioning and I went three years in a row. There were, I was non-union. So there was a few hundred people outside of the theater to get in. And I didn't even know if I would be seen. And, uh, and then I would get in and then you did your double pirouette to the right and the left, they ask you your name, your age, and all of that. Then I would I would get kept, uh, but I didn't get it for those three years. And then I then the last audition, I finally got it. And it, so it materialized. And it was interesting because it was at the time where I just said, ah, I'm just, I gotta give this dream up. It's not gonna happen. And they said, Oh, you got the role and you know, you're finally ready. So they were watching me, uh, which I thought was really nice. And then it was, it's uh, it's great to to be acknowledged for, you know, for getting better and better and better and finally earning, you know, the right to be there. So then um, obviously I was in Cats, uh, a dream show as a dancer, singer, actress, it was just a dream show to do. And I was so lucky to have such a great cast. Um, and I thought this was, well, I'll tell you this afterwards. Then I went, uh, so I did Cats for a year and a half, toured, uh, for a year and a half and then I left and then 
I got Gypsy on Broadway with Tyne Daly. Uh, so I was in that production for two and a half years. You know, and I was so lucky in, in that both, I'm close with both casts. And I thought that was just the way it is with everybody. And it's not actually. So some casts, are, they're just, they just don't click. But I actually clicked with both of them. So I'm extraordinarily happy to have such wonderful people in my life and such great memories. So now we move forward. My theater background is, uh, that, that was my theater background. And then about 29, I decided that I wanted to do something else. So I went into fashion. Fashion was always kind of in the background because I'm four foot 10 and I wanted to do petite. I wanted to work in petites and uh, grow that area. So I went to FIT and, uh, and I worked in the industry. And so I worked in that industry for about seven, eight years. And then it started to falter the industry. It was one of the biggest employers in New York. And then it started to implode because China came into play and all the discount stores came into play. So I said, okay, I'm gonna leave this industry. So, uh, but it was nice to be in it. And, and then I said, well, what do we wanna do now? Because I liked that I was using my head more in business because I like business and creativity. What do I wanna do? So I, so what can I, where can I do both of those? So I went into interior design. So I took a few classes and I was lucky enough to find a company called Laura Bond Design Associates, a small office. And uh, she did beautiful work when she was on the cover of magazines. And um, so I worked for her for about two years. And then I met my ex-husband who was British. And then I ended up marrying him and moving to England. Well, I still stayed in New York because he had an office in New York and in England. So I let go of the interior design thing and worked with him with his computer company. Uh, so it was a little, as far as business goes, it was a little boring, but, um, but I did learn to do QuickBooks and books and all that, and to work with accountants and business and marketing and things like that, uh, in, in, and to work in England and New York. So that was kind of an, um, a nice lesson to learn. So then <clears throat> we divorced after about seven years. <laughs> I guess there's a, you know, a theme here, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, Excuse me. So I um, so I went back to New York full time, and it's well. But now, what do I want to do? Computers definitely wasn't my thing. So I my um, my I worked with a friend of mine that did interior design for a little bit, and as I was getting my feet wet, and then my my father has a hotel, a historic hotel in Long Island, and uh, he needed someone to do to upgrade some of the interior design. So I said, okay, I'll start doing that. So I went out there on Long Island. I still lived in the city, but was going out there to do that. Then it morphed into other things that needed to be done, marketing and advertising, and they needed a new website. So I just set out to figure out how to do that. <laughs> so I, um, I like marketing, I like advertising. So I was creating new ads, I learned how to, I didn't make the website, but I hired the people to do that. And, um, and I took that over as well. So, and then I did other things there, of course, as a family business. So I was lucky enough to work with my sister, Kelly, who I adore. And, and you know, sometimes siblings don't work well together, but we work exceptionally well together. My father's another story. We don't work well together at all. We are oil and, and vinegar for sure. But um, uh, so now I still work there a little bit, 
but I don't, I'm not there very much after the pandemic, I was able to work more from home and my father and I have a much better relationship. <laughs> so I'm happy to say. And then during that time, the pandemic, I got married. So I married uh, my husband, Jorge, who's Peruvian. He's in Peru right now and he has properties. Uh, so I'm still working at Ohiga Castle, which is my family's business. And I'm working with my husband. So we had, uh, so kind of inherited this business and we had a few, a few properties up in Hudson, New York and some in Long Island City. Uh, and, I, and I like to say, because uh, I had bought a prop, my father was a developer, so I kind of was around us a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and I wanted to do property. And my little tiptoe in was, I had bought a condo in Jersey City about 10 years ago. And I, was, and I rented it out to the same tenant who was lovely. I was just so lucky. I was so lucky that he would, um, he would give me, send me a check to my building and he wouldn't even fill it out. He would just sign it. So we trusted each other so much. And uh, so, yeah, he was just such a beautiful soul. And um, so he decided after, during COVID to buy a place, I was very, very happy for him. And he left. So I said, well, I'm gonna sell that property. Well, I didn't really make much money on that property after 10 years. I did gain a great friend, but, um, but I said, but this whole idea that I was going to become, after buying that property, I was going to buy multiple properties, but it never came to fruition. So then I marry Jorge and he's like, I need help with this. So I said, well, God wanted me to be in development, I guess, and said, okay, you're taking way too long. So here, here's a bunch of properties to deal with all at one time. So we dealt with the pandemic and all of these properties, a lot of them that were not, they were losing money and they all needed work and everything. So we uh, had our um, work cut out for us. And um, so that we cleaned up a lot of it, sold a few of them, leased one for 99 years. And um, I've sold air rights. I've done all sorts of things that and just learned on the you know on the job we both learned on the job and um and now we're at the other end of that and we are now enjoying what we created so we bought this where i am right now i'm in hampton bays in in, in hamptons on long island in this cute little house eight minutes drive from the beach and uh we're thrilled so we still live in new york city and long island city because that's where my husband's place is and um, and we're really just trying to embrace relaxing a little bit more and a little bit more balance and you know so um, so that's my business story and uh, and now I am so and I will tell you that I am uh, spiritual uh, I have a strange religious background where I was baptized Catholic when I was born because. I was pre premature, and, but my mother was um, uh, Protestant, so I was raised Protestant. And then, here's the weirdness, about 10 or 12, my mom brought me to the church, and I see all of my, my pastors and everyone from the congregation wearing these little caps on their head, the men. <laughs> I said, Mom, what is that? And she said, oh, something with the way that they teach now they're becoming Jewish. So, <laughs> so the actual entire congregation 
converted to Judaism. So, and now if you look it up, I actually have articles. There was uh, two churches on Long Island that were converted during that time. It was a cult. It was actually a cult that took over and was able to turn them around. So I left, we left that church. <laughs> so I didn't really know where I was religiously, but uh, I didn't really ever connect to the church, uh, although my Nana was a big influence as far as uh, keeping religion alive in me. Um, and then, but I, I, I resonate more with my own personal journey with God. So um, I meditate and, and I have a spiritual advisor and who I adore. I call him the accessible Deepak Chopra because he's, he's Indian, <laughs> he's, he's a lot of fun. And, um, but it, it's, it's, he's helped me immensely. And, uh, but I do, I feel it's, for me, it's a very private thing. And, um, and I, I continue that journey kind of a seeker as they say. And uh, so I do that. And uh, what else can I say? Oh, so what is my, um, one of the things that I've worked through in my life with through this entire journey is uh, kind of my identity. It's, it's not that I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was. I always knew who I was. Um, but I have a family, I've, I grew up in this middle-class neighborhood with a little bit of tumultuousness. I won't say it was a, a happy family life. My mom and father were, you know, completely not together and at odds. And but um, where where things got crazy is my father moved on and became this kind of local celebrity. And he's got this <clears throat> big castle that he has. It's a hotel and wedding venue and everything like that. But um, he's popular and. He's a presence. And it also, uh, people perceive me as growing up in this big castle and which is not something that I resonate with because I did not grow up that way. And it's, it's been a struggle to say, you know, no, I am just this ordinary working class person. And then people see me as something different. Of course, my close friends know who I am. Uh, but I was struggling with trying to, I wanted people to know, and then I would try to explain it. And then people just see what they want to see sometimes. And some people get it as if they're close to me. And, uh, and then I finally just let that go. <laughs> I just realized people are going to see what they want to see. And uh, so I've been able to uh, just be who I am and uh, let people be who they are because that's that's really all you can do right it's just all i can do is just uh embrace people as, as our meditation was today see people for who they are right so um it's been a beautiful journey and i'm looking forward to continuing this journey uh with you know with my husband and my friends i've just got some amazing friends and and my family and i'm a new aunt this week so i'm very excited and uh so that's my story and um, I'm happy to have shared it with you. And thank you for listening. And thank you for inviting me. <laughs> thank you, Nancy. Thank you so much. Such a journey. So many different things to think about. Liz, Yelena, what do you think about an inquiry for people to think about when they go into the breakout rooms? Um, yeah, this is okay if I, <laughs> if I do. Um, 
Nancy, thank you for sharing your story. And, and I think what I loved on our call last night, and I've been thinking about it ever since, there's a very special connection, I think, to your story and what we do here in the Peace Alliance. And it's about identity and labels. And I'm just going to take you guys to a very quick story. Um, when I met my husband, the only thing I knew about him was he was a performer. He was a stand-up comic. Um, but we went down to the West Village in New York, and we had this lovely connecting dinner. And there were things I thought I knew about him because he was a stand-up. But we sat, and I fell in love with him on our first date because he said something I never forgot. He said he felt that the biggest obstacle to people connecting was labels. We put labels on people. And he said, when I put a label on you, I think I know all these things about you that may or may not be true about you. And then I stopped seeing you. And I was thinking about that, Nancy, when I heard your story, right? Because in my head, when you left, when I was little, I coincidentally, I grew up in Levittown as well. Um, and my mother did love the city and would take us into the city a lot. And she said she felt like for most people in Levittown, like the Queen's border was like the edge of the earth. Like they felt if they crossed the border, they would fall off the edge of the earth. Um, and, and for me, I dreamed of being a dancer, but I didn't know it was something I could dream. I didn't know when I was 19, I started taking tap dancing classes, but the only class I could find was a beginner class with six games <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't pursue it. But anyway, all I was thinking about at the beginning of your conversation was if I had been a dancer in Cats, that's the only thing I would have claimed for the rest of my life. And then I realized, but that's not true. Yeah. It's not true. And so what I love about your story, and I invite you to think about as we go into the, um, into the rooms, is there's a beautiful book, uh, if any of you know, Martin Buber wrote a book called I and Thou. And it really is about being like a whole being in relation to a whole being, right? Because we sometimes only define ourselves by how we see the person in relation to us. You're my friend, you're a teacher, you're this, and it's all about labels. And I thought, it, um, what does it feel like for you to be seen fully? Have you been in a space fully? And I guess maybe the, I guess maybe the inquiry, I think this is it. Um, if we could see one another fully, how do you think that would help us come to a place of greater peace? Maybe that's it, right? If we could see one another fully and connect with one another fully, releasing all those labels we bring to one another, how do you think that might help us come to a greater place of peace, both as individuals and, and as a, a world? Mm. I love that. So say again. Okay. So as we walk into the circles, maybe if we could think about the story, the lovely story that Nancy just wove, and think about our own identities, how we think about our own identities and the identities we have. And if we could release those identities and meet one another as people in every encounter, how do we think that would bring more peace to ourselves and more peace in the world? Hmm. Wonderful. Okay. So we go to the rooms. Our agreements are to speak from your heart, to listen with your heart, to say just enough so that others have a chance to share 
And to keep confidentiality, we'll come back and we'll share thoughts and whatever's bubbling up for people. But somebody, if someone said something personal and confidential, leave it there. Speak to the themes that were shared or tell your own story if you choose. So I'm going to put the recording on pause and we'll be back in just about 15 minutes. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's good to see your faces. Well, I'm so curious. I'm so curious what's bubbling up for people after spending time together. Who would like to share? Feel free to come off mute and tell us what you're thinking right now. Just uh, a lot of reflection, listening, and uh, the thought for myself is that I'm 81, been through a lot of different stages, and it seems right now that I'm in another stage. And that ties in what uh, Nancy and Santon were sort of talking about, who are we? And uh, I am. Mm. <laughs> it's an interesting place to be to realize that I simply am. Okay. Thank you for the reflections and the thoughts. Well, thank you, Michael. Thank you for sharing. Who else would like to share? I'll chime in here. So, Sayanta um, joined in, and I hope I'm saying your name right, Sayanta, and brought in some good questions. And because we were talking about identity and labeling, and then he, he brought up um, who we are, and then a mirror, putting a mirror against ourselves, because I was discussing, um, bringing the, you know, the conversation that we have been talking about, um, la labeling as we uh, was part of the topic, and not labeling people, and then I brought in, like, that can also be judging, you know, judging people, judging ourselves, and how much energy that takes you know, from us mm -hmm. and, and, and kind of puts up a screen on who to, you know, to be able to see a person for who they are, you know, and then I brought up the soul, you know, like who we are is our soul. So Sayanta brought up all this, you know, if I put a mirror up, who is our, you know, what am I seeing, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting uh, way to, to see that, you know, if I put a mirror against myself, you know, mm -hmm. the thought came up afterwards, we got, you know, cause the, it ended, that I am uh, my I am my soul. I'm not who I've been through all of my careers, you know. And I work and and I, you know, which we usually identify with what we do. Yeah. And um, so I finally learned that that I am only who I am. Even if I did none of those things, so of uh, I connect to my soul. My soul is. What does my soul want to be? What is it? What is it? It's not even what it wants to be. It's what it is. Mm -hmm. And um, and how do I treat people? And you know, and then not. Uh, and I, I, the thought comes in that sometimes people treat people. It might seem like they're being nice, but they're not really being. Nice. It's kind of you know pretend nice. But you know, my one of my favorite books is the Seven Spiritual Laws of Success from Deepak Chopra, and that mm -hmm. book is kind of my guide if I could accomplish 
those seven laws, mm. which non-judgment is in there and uh, accepting um, it, things as they are. So you're without uh, detachment is a big thing. Uh. But um, so who are we as our soul, right? Mm. And, and what does your soul want to do? You know, my soul wants to be carefree, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's what I want to be, you know, and I want, I know, and I love to be around people that um, are just free like that, just happy and, and, uh, you know, and, and not just smiling all the time, you know, because life has its challenges and, uh, but accepting life for what it is, because sometimes there's some really sad things that happen we lose people and things like that i mean that's all a part of it and how does our soul deal with that you know yeah. and yeah. with ourselves and with the people around us as mm -hmm. your to accept everybody within that and how they react as well yeah 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 it's that's it resonates with me thank you who else would like to share jana I said that uh, Bob Thurman uh, has coined a wonderful word called, uh, which is identitylessness. Ah. Instead of the usual selflessness, uh, he coined the word identitylessness. And oh. we say that you need a lot of self-confidence to free yourself of the self-grasping. So to free ourselves of labels and others of labels requires a lot of self-confidence. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I recently was reading something that um talks about outer roles and inner roles and secret roles and ghost roles but you know the outer role if you know if in a family dynamic, you know, um you know Michael drives the kids and Jane makes the meals, you know, that doesn't mean that Jane is a cook cuz that's a role she's playing. Jane is a whole person. She happens to cook, but they can also switch that. You know, there's different things that people can do and it's not who they are, you know, so that's a, another framing of that same idea. Who else would like to share? Anything coming up? Feel free to unmute yourself. Well, thanks for putting that in the chat, Anna. Anyone? Okay, well, if there's nothing else, I'll put a few links in the chat. Um, the Hope Story Circles are put on by the Peace Alliance, and our website is peacealliance.org. And we empower civic action for a culture of peace. Also a link to our Peace On podcast is available there at the website and a link to a page about our Hope Story Circles. Feel free to come back. We're the second and fourth Saturday of every month, but we will not be the fourth Saturday of November. We're taking off for Thanksgiving holiday. And so we'll see you again in the second week of December when another dear friend, Kevin Winkler, will be joining us. Uh, yeah, Nancy just lit up. Um, also a link for Blueprint for Peace. This is a wonderful initiative for with a single 
petition, you can notify all of your elected officials, local, state, federal, that you support policy related to violence reduction and strategically building peace. Also a link about the Department of Peacebuilding Legislation, HR 1111. It's our cornerstone piece of legislation we've supported for a long time and continue to. We are a small nonprofit. We appreciate donations of any size. Giving Tuesday's coming up. So if you'd like to join in the, the push, we'd love to have an end of year donation. Um, and we also really welcome our peace partners, our monthly donors that keep us sustaining income. Also at the, at the website, peacealliance.org is a calendar you can see all of the events we have going on, all the different things that we have that we offer, and almost all of them are free and you're welcome to join us at any time. We'd love to see you back here again. So with that, I will hand it back to Liz to bring us to a close today. Yeah, thank you very much. And Michael, I, I think my words that I'm going to offer by way of closing were um, are prompted by what I think I heard you say. Uh, and the simple two-word phrase, I am, I am, right? And and I just want to give a couple of minutes. I, I don't know if any of you know who Tom Shadiak is, mm -hmm. um, but Tom Shadiak is a director, and you have at least probably heard of some of his films. He, he came to prominence because he connected with a young actor named Jim Carrey and made a whole bunch of movies with Jim Carrey, like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and Liar, Liar. Um, and he was doing very well in life, right? And he was he was going, he he had hit all those marks that we talk about should make us happy and be successful. And he was living in this giant house. Um, and then he used to like to ride his bicycle to work in the hills. And, and he had an accident and he hit his head and he developed a condition where everything was so painful that he was in this big house, but he, had, he was sleeping in his closet. Like he just any light was so painful to him. And as he came out, he started thinking about his life and his father had co-founded St. Jude's Hospital with Danny Thomas. And he said, I just wanna kind of explore what's important about life. And he made this beautiful film and it's just called I Am. It's just called I Am. And he met with all these kind of different beautiful spiritual leaders and asked them all these deep questions. And, and what I liked is that it was kind of a play on word that I won't give away too much of, but I am is a simple sentence, but it can also be an answer. And he said that one time, I think it was Winston Churchill, was asked, what's wrong with the world? And he said, I am. And he said, but what's right with the world? I am. <laughs> you know. And when you said that kind of simple, I am, Michael, I just realized uh, that's what I want to explore. I've been going through some difficulties in some relationships recently, and I've been thinking of all those words that come after I am. I am sorry. I'm in pain. I'm, I am trying. I am. And I thought, what if I just sit for the next week with just I am? <laughs> what if I just sit for the next week with I am and just kind of see what bubbles up for there? Um, and so that's kind of where I want to leave. And and we, you know, I'm finishing a, a little early because that feels like a complete thought for me. So we can, um, uh, that's what I offer. We usually try to do an offering as we send you to our next Hope Story Circle in two weeks. And to just live in the I am. 
Um, and so if anyone wants to come off mute, I know Terry always invites people yes, to just talk and say hi, but if anyone wants to reflect anything back to that in the last few minutes we have together, um, I offer back my time and, and um, yeah, offering. And feel free to come off mute, share any thoughts you have or say goodbye. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I did want to, Nancy, I'm sorry I didn't say that last. Thank you. Thank you for your story. It took me to a very deep place and I'm grateful. Thank you, Liz. And I, I, wanted, I just wanted to comment on, on your I am because I love that. I think it's just, and I love that get rid of what you, the next, you know, I am blah, 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 you know, to just say I am is perfect. Just, yeah, be here. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for you know, bringing that up and, and uh, concluding with that. I think it's perfect. Thank so, you for being here, Nancy. Thank you. Namaste to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the documentary recommendation. There's a film by a very similar name. So I was very intrigued. It's not related, but it shares four stories. It's also called I Am. Oh. I'd seen that film. It's a Indian film industry film, but it's not related. But uh, yeah, I, I I find the name as well as the message very uh, interesting. So I'll definitely look up. When you mentioned uh, Ace Ventura, I was thinking immediately of uh, the scenes from When Nature Calls, where uh, Jim Carrey is uh, somewhere on some uh, temple at the beginning of the film. Thank you for so, the memory. Wait, so I just found an I am. It's it's from 2010, Unfolding Tales of People Struggling to Find Their Identity. Is that it? That's so funny to me. Uh, so thank uh, you for it that. It should have Juhi Chawla. The one I'm talking about should have Juhi Chawla. I can tell you the year. Just one sec. Yeah, because I am definitely going to seek that out. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It is It is the same one. It's from 2010. It has Juhi Chawla. She's a and famous I, Hindi film actress. But while it doesn't resonate with this, it has... I don't want to give it away too much, but it's not exactly related. It's it's four stories of people um, related diversely. It speaks more to the connectedness of people's lives than to the uh, topic of... Actually, that's, that's an interesting takeoff. I mean, do you have an identity independent of others is also an interesting question. Yeah. I love that they used the word identity in the one sentence description. Yeah. Interesting. So I will definitely find that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. The name just reminded me it's the same name. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so funny. I love it. I think it was released I love it. Year as well. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Thank, Thank you. you for joining us. Yeah. I hope to see you again. Thank you. I hope to be back again. Everyone, feel free to come off mute and say goodbye. We're going to close the call now. Terry, thank you so much for having me. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I just said I missed everything, but I'm so glad you I got You did, Angie. <laughs> but you can go back and listen. Yeah, you can listen. <laughs> it's good to see your face, even at the last minute, Angie. <laughs> always, always. Goodbye, everyone. Have a wonderful right. day. Thank you. Everybody. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.